It's 2022. Do you know where your consumer is? The Channel Mastery Podcast is created for executives who are obsessed with knowing everything about their target consumers, because that's what unlocks the future success and impact of our brands and businesses today. Every week on this podcast, we dig deep to bring you what's working and what's not when it comes to winning the attention of and building loyalty with your target consumer. We've got a lot to share, so let's get to it. And thanks so much to Verde Brand Communications for being the presenting sponsor of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I'm super excited to have Scott Buelter of Ascent 360 back on the show. Welcome to the show today. Uh, Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Here we are at the start of 2022. I think I had you on a year ago at this time, as as well as times in between. But thank you so much again for being a regular guest on Channel Mastery. So I would love for you to reintroduce yourself because we have some new listeners and then also just others who may need to be reminded about you and what Ascent 360 does. And then let's go into what you're seeing in your business and with your customer base at the close of last year, 2021, and what we're looking at going into 2022. And then we'll get into our conversation today. Okay, that'd be that'd be great. So I, I think, you know, as you said, my name is Scott Bielter. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Ascent360, and we are a data-driven marketing platform. What that means is we have software that pulls data into our platform that is is useful for retailers, right? So this is point-of-sale data, it is analytic data off websites, uh, it is email click behavior. Uh, all that data in a really simple way moves into our platform, and then we allow our clients to use that data to market. And it really is all about smart marketing, right? How do you talk to a uh, customer uh, in a way that they want to be spoken to, right? How do you have authentic conversations? Uh, and and that that might sound like uh, a buzzword, uh, but it but it's really quite genuine. Uh, what people are missing and lacking in you know, today's endless marketing cycle is just, hey, this business looks at me like a real person. I'm not just a number. And they they didn't just send me an email that they sent to, you know, a million other people that has all stuff that is totally unrelated to me. So that's the that's the essence of of the business. And 2021 has actually been a very, very good year. And that that is partially driven by the pandemic. Uh, you know what we see in our customer base is you know more business moving online, more business moving to you know buy online, pick up in store, or maybe even call the store. But what that ultimately means is a lot of data collection. Uh, so you know, formerly large businesses used to only collect data. Now small businesses, mid-sized businesses, all know who their customer is, what they're purchasing, uh, and have the tools to to use that data. So it's been a, a really good and interesting year for. Ascent 360, uh, you know, especially in the outdoor industry, the bicycle industry, uh, and all those kind of related industries. So I have a quick question before we get into our, you know, our question of the day here. How have you seen this newcomer in terms of the outdoor recreation enthusiasts from COVID? Like, how has that informed the data across the market you serve? You know, it's, that that is a, a really interesting question. What we saw with the newcomer was you know people who are not the traditional outdoor enthusiast decide that they want to do something in the outdoors, right? And it's all, if, if you will, very, very rational stuff. People said, I need to spend time outdoors. I know that you know vitamin D is good. I know that UV rays kill the virus. 
I know that people say it's safe to be outside, but it's better to be outside, like not in big crowds. So why don't I start engaging in uh, some outdoor activities like hiking and biking and running? Uh, and, and that has effectively meant that those industries have been, you know, tremendous growth industries, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't the typical, uh, you know, individual who's, who's, you know, wondering what sort of carabiner they should buy or, you know, what four season tent they should buy. You know, it started with people just being interested in, you know, getting outdoors, getting onto a bike, not even knowing necessarily what bike to buy and buying one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what is exciting uh, is that we've not seen that consumer run away yet, right? This isn't the typical like, hey, it's January 1st, I need a gym membership, and okay, now it's February 4th, and I guess I'm done for the year, right? It seems that it's actually continuing. Those consumers are coming back. They are uh, continuing to try to get outside. That that may be an effect of the of the of the you know continuing pandemic that you know we all thought would have ended by now, but it but it hasn't seemed to. Right. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. We're definitely seeing. Um, I actually just did a show recently with Jason Blevins of the Colorado Sun, and we were talking about the growth that. Um, Poma in Grand Junction is seen in terms of building lifts. And then he yeah. got into um, a lot more information because he obviously, this is his beat at the Colorado Sun, um, talking about just the record growth in snow sports and how the infrastructure of these rural towns is were suffering to try and keep up with it. So it's interesting to hear your take from the retail side of it as well. Um, yeah. as w- and, and also, I'm sure a lot of the brands and and retailers are really eager to understand how to serve this customer, which is what we're going to get into here today. So Scott and I have been (laughs) trying to get this interview together for some time. And when we first met, we talked about, well, inflation really should be something that we talk about. And so you've now expanded that to both supply chain and inflation. But I love the lens that we're going to look at together today, which is how these uh, aspects are affecting the customer relationship with retailers and brands. So we're stepping outside of operations, everybody, and we're going to talk about how this is affecting existing and new consumers to the outdoor recreation space. So I'd love for you to just give us your insights and what you've been seeing and thinking about for 2022 with supply chain and inflation and how it pertains to our customer. Love it. That's great. Um, So so there's a lot of really interesting things that are happening and I think it's worth reflecting on like how we got here. Um, and I think that you kind of got to break it down into, uh, if you will, kind of the original sin and then and then follow on actions, right? And if you will, the the, the original issue occurred when the, the the virus hit China, and they started to shut down factories. Uh, those factories slowed production. Uh, it was starting to get hard to get goods out of China. And so you had a, if you will, a very short-term supply issue. And that uh, occurred, and we kind of know that it did. And, and when I say it was short-term, what, what's interesting is that it's what happened after that is a little bit more interesting and perhaps a little you know, more complex, right? So in a typical recession, you'll have you know, incomes and spending decline. And that the, exactly the opposite happened in this recession, right? Incomes and spending didn't decline. Uh, incomes actually increased by government subsidies and spending increased as well. But typically, and this happened, is that manufacturers actually do slow production expecting softer demand, right? So when we fell off the cliff 
in March of 2020, manufacturers made the decisions that they normally would. They didn't order enough parts. You know, they've got raw materials that they need to get. And so they started slowing down a bit, making, if you will, good decisions uh, of what was best for their business, or at least what they believed was going to happen. And, and a couple of interesting things happened, right? One is that because the consumer uh, didn't have less money, they were trying to spend and, and spend in real ways, but they didn't have that much to spend on. And what I mean by that is half of, you know, if you will break the economy down into goods and services, services fell apart completely, right? And that is travel, vacations, hair appointments, massage, you know, whatever, you know, re- restaurants, um, the, the only avenue to spend money was goods. Um, so, so now what you've got, and you, this, this is a little bit amazing, is that actually the, the spending on goods is now actually 20% above what it was. This personal consumption uh, on goods is 20% ab- ab- above what it was pre-pandemic. Right, the services sector hasn't yet even caught up. Right, so 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 if we what we'd say is that now you've got um, more people spending more money on goods, we actually expect that to continue. So if you if you run a bike dealer or outdoor store, you should actually feel pretty good because it's probably going to continue into 2021 because there's not enough services to buy for the money that's floating around the economy. There's all sorts of other things, right? The Federal Reserve printed a lot of money, all those sort of things. But I don't think that's the important part. I I do think that it's now we kind of ask ourselves, well, if that's the situation, how do we think about it from a consumer marketing perspective? Uh, When we think about, well, how do you actually talk to a consumer? You've you've got all sorts of new challenges you're facing, you know, such as, you know, the prices have increased and and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, is that a, a relatively good kickoff to the, yes, the challenge? It is. And I also just want to say that consumers, whether they're newcomers or people we've been serving for a long time, have become extremely adept at getting their needs met. So loyalty has been up for grabs and they're just becoming incredibly scrappy when it comes to getting what they need. So let's talk about how the problems with the supply chain and inflation are affecting consumers. Because I think everybody is aware that, you know, inflation's happening because we're buying everything in our day-to-day lives. We're seeing it. And then we've been hearing and experiencing firsthand the supply chain problem for a long time. Even my teenagers know about the supply chain problem and they don't, you know, they don't watch their own news, but you get where I'm going. So I think everybody's on the same page, but like, what's your take on how consumers will, how this will affect consumers and their journey in 2022? Well, so one thing that we do see is consumers doing whatever they can to find product. Uh, so I was at the uh, Cabda show somewhat recently, and I talked to uh, a bike dealer who said their online business has exploded, and it's from people that are far away because they're looking for inventory and they can't find it at their local shop. So they're they're coming out to his shop virtually and getting it shipped. He even said some people are driving relatively big distances. And I, I think a, a, a question of just of a, from a marketing perspective that, that I, would, I would ask that dealer, uh, Will Renee Nameless, is, is that the customer that you want? And is that who you want to sell your inventory to? What we do know is that that dealer and most dealers have a whole swath of 
new customers uh, that that have you know been part of this influx for two years, but they also have a very central core of consumers that are their best consumer, right? So what what we do know is 80% of a business's revenue comes from about 20% of their customer base. Uh, And this is across industry, it's across time, it's unrelated to the pandemic. So if you in fact have some set of customers who are your best customers, how do you consider serving them? And how do you consider that in relationship to uh, consumers that are far flung and are probably, you know, what I'd call kind of, you know, one and done, right? So is you're that- basically, the challenge is you're saying maybe you you bypass serving that far away consumer and prioritize your 20% that makes 80% of your revenue. Yeah, absolutely. Which is uh-huh. a very big challenge in discipline. The Channel Mastery Podcast is sponsored by the Sea Otter Classic Summit, presented by Lifetime Incorporated. It's a brand new executive gathering taking place right before the 2022 Sea Otter Classic Cycling Festival, the world's largest consumer cycling event. Sea Otter marks the kickoff of the camping and bike season and brings together tens of thousands of outdoor and cycling enthusiasts. I mean, what better lab environment do we need to study our consumer circa 2022? And that's why we're hosting our Executive Leadership Summit just before the Sea Otter Classic on the historic and beautiful Cannery Row in Monterey, California. And you know, a new Leadership Summit is much needed today for the outdoor recreation industries. We need to grow our networks. We need to get to know the trends that will greatly impact how we operate and serve our consumers going through and beyond the pandemic. And we need to study this consumer that we all share together. Change can be exhausting, and growth like we've seen it in outdoor recreation can be expensive in more ways than one. If you're wondering how to harness this opportunity and scale your business through the headwinds of consumer evolution, join us in Monterey, April 5th through 7th at the Sea Otter Classic Summit. Please visit SeaOtterClassicSummit.com for more information and to register. Space is limited. <laughs> it sure is, right? So what, what I would say is it's it's not a passive activity. It's not a, hey, I hope they come in. Uh, and if they don't, what the heck, I'm going to sell it to that guy because, well, who am I going to sell it to? What if what if they don't come in? Uh, I, w- I would suggest making it a very active activity, right? If you if you know you've got 12 bikes coming in uh, and you know what they are, you, you know who your best customers are, right? You know who purchased in the past. And I would immediately create some sort of VIP list and tell them, hey, we've got 12 bikes coming in. Uh, we're really excited. This is, this is, you know, these are the ones, or maybe you even segmented a little bit more granularly based on, you know, whether they're road bikes or they're cyclocross bikes and uh, that sort of thing. And, you know, were, were you to reach out to somebody and tell them, hey, they're, they're coming in, I will pre-sell them, I will, uh, you know, get you on, on the list or something like that. And even if they're not, going to buy it, uh, they're going to increase their loyalty to you. If in fact, they're realizing that they actually need a bike and then they buy it, uh, that that loyalty is just starting to go through the roof. Well, I have to add something in here because I just had this happen yesterday. Okay. So my shop at Second Avenue Sports here in Durango called and said that they had this Scott bike that um, I was looking at uh, you know, for Leadville and, and different things that I do. And I had yep. already found something through the mountain bike specialist, like at the end of the year, last year, they got a surprise shipment of 
a specialized bike that I was also interested in. So I went ahead and got that. But the fact that they called me meant so much. And I was literally like, wow, that's really cool. And it wasn't an email. It was, you know, hey, we know you're interested in this. And I've been a customer of theirs for a long time. So I totally just want to tell the world who's listening that really works. (laughs) That's that's amazing. And it's so heartening to hear. Uh, And it makes you feel it makes you feel good. There, there is some element, which is like maybe what's happened is that that dealer has recognized that we're actually in a new normal, right? We we all keep kind of having this assumption, like it's it's about to end, uh, right? The, this this we're gonna come back to a, a normal time, and and more and more it looks like that's actually going to be pretty hard to get to. Um, there there we had probably 25 years, 35 years where goods became plentiful and cheap. Just about everything that was on the market uh, was effectively going down in price. You could get whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, and it was effectively a buyer's market for a really long time. Uh, it might, in fact, be a supplier's market, or if you know, if you will, you know, you kind of think of it from the housing industry, and that that may continue for some amount of time. So, if if a if a dealer starts to say, "Well, I'm going to think about this a little bit differently than I have in the past," uh, I realize that my uh, product is more valuable than it was. I can't necessarily discriminate just on price, nor do I want to. Right? In, in some cases, you know, people are just simply not allowed to uh, increase increase their price dramatically uh, based on kind of dealer commitments. But but maybe you you also just want to make sure that well you you don't you know of, offend by enormous price increases. But the price is going up, the supply is short, so sell it to your local good customer rather than the guy who you know is is calling from New Orleans and will will literally <laughs> never be a customer again. Right. I love that. That's awesome, especially for the specialty markets that we're looking at here. Um, and that also really takes some of the sting out of the price increases. I, I think so as well. Uh, you know, I do think, you know, we and we've all said this for a long time is that you know good service, uh, people will pay for good service. And if you have a, a dealer who you know knows the business uh, will offer information and will treat you like an individual. Uh, in in some cases, you don't necessarily even mind the, the price increase. I actually did just have a derailleur hanger break. Uh, I went into my local dealer. It's a very small part, but it actually turns out to be not too inexpensive. And you know, they ordered me a new one. They called me the day that it came in. I came in. I have absolutely no problem uh, paying a little bit extra for it. I'm actually glad how you know they they treated me through the process. Uh, and you know, what do they have? They've they've got a long term customer in me as well. That's awesome. So, um, can you give us an example of? I mean, I'm looking. I've been researching for our call today. Mike's Bikes is one of your customers. Can yep. you talk about how how you know what you do has enabled them? Because they're pretty good before COVID, right? Yep. <laughs> They were pretty good. I'm curious to know, like, how did you sharpen what they're doing in terms of their customer relationships and uh, the loyalty that they build? Yeah, I I think there's there's a there's a couple pretty good ideas that bring all this together. You know, one is you know there's a, there's an idea that we all talk about called segmentation, mm-hmm. and and that is you know simply stated, some some differences in individuals have pretty large differences in in their their buying behavior. Uh, and we we probably all know that um, you know age and income uh, are are real determinants of 
what someone will do. And so when you think about traditional segmentation and historic segmentation, it, it, it often looks like demographics and psychographics. Uh, so you, you do know where they live, you know uh, what, what gender they are, their age and their income, things like that, whether they're married or not. But first of all, that's, that's actually not the most useful sort of segmentation for small and mid-sized businesses. And it's also not necessarily the most powerful segmentation. And I do think that, that Mike Spikes, as an example, uses, if you will, modern segmentation very effectively. And that tends to be through the use of behavioral data. So what, what is behavioral data? Well, it, it is the data that the consumer is, um, it's the actions that they're taking. So if in fact they bought a you know, high-end specialized carbon road bike in the past, uh, you've got a whole lot more information than their age or income or gender, right? You, you know something about them that's really substantive. Uh, and you can expect that the next bike they buy is probably not going to be a uh, you know six hundred dollar bike, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot more behavioral data than just even the purchase, right? It is well, are they on your website and are they looking around? And what are they looking at when they're on your website? Uh, are they looking at you know mountain bikes, right? Maybe they're making some sort of change. Um, how how much time are they spending on your website? And then if you do send them marketing pieces, how are they interacting with that, right? Are they opening it? Are they clicking on it? And so so Mike Spikes is using all of that data together to make good, um, to make good targeted, segmented messages that, that speak directly to individuals. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. They do think about customer marketing versus prospect marketing. Uh, in a real way, right? If so, if somebody signs up on their website and says, "Hey, you know, here I am. You know, my name is is Scott Bielter, and I'm I've just gave you my email address, right?" That's a that's a huge cue that they're interested in your business somehow. If in fact that person is also wandering around the website and looking at very specific bikes. That is uh, a, another cue that they're that they're in the market for a bike. So you already know all this, and what they're actually doing is creating automations and, if you will, customer journeys. So the automation is the trigger point of saying, "Okay, they signed up, they're interested, and they're looking at bikes. Now let me send them a browse abandon email." Uh, and a browse abandon email is what it sounds like, right? They were browsing. They abandoned. They didn't buy anything. Uh, so now follow up with something, and the journey starts uh, following up with them or around that topic, and and they do a great job of that. And they've got they've got a lot of automations that put five or six of these together uh, that that ultimately end uh, more often than not in that customer engaging and then making a purchase. Okay, that's awesome. So can we say? maybe for our big takeaway today, that the way segmentation has been deployed has changed from 2020 to 2022 because of the COVID consumer and their their like lack of loyalty, their open mind to get solutions, et cetera. And then also their loyalty in terms of their identity as a mountain biker or cyclist in this case. Like, what do you, what do you pontificate in terms of how segmentation will continue to evolve in 2022? 
but I, I do think that that those ideas will continue to accelerate. So so let's let's look at the restaurant industry for for a second. Who in the restaurant industry was doing customer marketing at all two years ago? Only the largest chains, uh, and and even then, only the high end large chains because nobody had any customer information. Uh, and you didn't really know your customer and you had no idea who was loyal, but they seemed to come in again and again. That has changed completely, you know, 180 turn. Most restaurants now have a very good idea of who their customer is. They are ordering online. They are giving them their uh, personal information and they don't mind doing it. Now, there are intermediaries, inter- intermediaries like, um, uh, you know, Uber Eats. That maybe are collecting the, the, the customer information, but but I think that the restaurant has realized that hey, I've got loyal customers. They're actually spending a lot of money with me, and I'd rather not have that all go to Uber Eats. I'd like to have that come to me. So they're they're very engaged with this idea, and I think that one of the key changes there is that if a restaurant would have asked a consumer for their email address two years ago, the consumers are like, why in the world would I give you that, and what are you going to give me in return? That that's no longer the case, and I, I think that same idea exists in in uh, in retail certainly, and and all sorts of types of retail. Uh, they don't mind anymore giving their information, uh, and that that actually does mean that they're actually very receptive to starting to build a a relationship online. Yep, I think that people, you know, i.e., us as consumers, we see that as a way to maybe make sure that we're going to get what we need when we need it. But then also we're, it's just, I hate using the word frictionless, but it really does take some of the friction out of it. When you have this active relationship, you're going into a restaurant or a store, but you're also getting their emails. It feels like you're going to be prioritized when it is time to go in and experience that in person. So I I have a feeling that's only going to get more, uh, you know, strengthened as we get through 2022. So I, I think so too. And the, you know, the, the the only other thing that's that's worth mentioning here is just how technology has changed, right? If if, if the pandemic ha- actually happened in 2002, we would probably all still be struggling to work somehow because you just couldn't work from home, right? The the tech wasn't good enough, bandwidth wasn't good enough, and you couldn't get it done. Uh, I think the same is true for this entire topic. The, the, the tech to pull all this data together and actually get web analytic data, e- email tracking data, uh, you know, 15 years ago or 10 years ago was, was really, really hard. And it was only for big companies. Uh, today, it's, you know, 45 minutes of work. And all of a sudden, you've got that data flowing into a platform like Ascent 360. And mm-hmm. so... Sometimes when I say these things, it probably sounds complicated. Uh, and maybe on, on the on, on the tech side, it is complicated, just like Zoom is complicated. But uh, for for the user, you know, the the average small business uh, is executing on these ideas uh, very very well. Right. Okay. Well, that's awesome. And it's also great to hear that things are going so well at Ascent 360 because it shows that that the customers within outdoor bike snow sports. And, you know, our, our sister outdoor recreation industries are doing well as, as well, and they're investing in their businesses. 
They're trying to be more consumer-centric. So all of these things are hugely positive as we're going into 2022, because ultimately we're going to get a whole new competitive set, I think. Like if you look at e-bikes, for example, are we ready to compete with Tesla? I don't know, <laughs> but, you know, taking steps and, and managing that gap with tools like Ascent 360 is, is super meaningful. So tell us where we can learn more about Ascent 360. You know, I think the, I think the best thing to do is, is uh, either head to our website, which is you know, ascent360.com or send us a note, right? My email is sbulter at ascent360.com uh, or, you know, there's lots of other people that you can connect to. Uh, at LinkedIn, but but feel free to send me a note. Uh, I'm more than happy to uh, you know talk and discuss you know what what can work best for you. Uh, you know I try to make it as as simple as possible. Uh, what I do know is that we've got hundreds of clients that are doing this stuff successfully, uh, and you know that that's actually I think a really uh, exciting thing to be able to say out loud uh, that that this is something that people are doing. Uh, so successfully. And I think they know it works. So That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, And Scott will be back every quarter this year to give us his take um, with what you're doing with the aggregated data and your direct relationships with so many important retailers and brands. Your viewpoint is really valuable to hear to us here at the Channel Mastery Podcast. So thank you so much for your time. That's great. Thank you too. If you liked this episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast, Please help more business leaders find this resource by going to iTunes and leaving us a positive review and also sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Verde Brand Communications for being our presenting sponsor. Check us out at verdepr.com. 